Apostates Anonymous, the show you turn to when you're no longer an evangelical, with your hosts, hosts, authors Keith Giles and Matthew J. DiStefano. Welcome back to Apostates Anonymous. I am, of course, here with Keith Giles again. Again, this is the fourth, the yes. fourth of many, and people seem to be loving it, baby. Well, I, I'm loving it, so I'm hoping they love it. But th- I've had a blast. Uh, I really, really enjoy doing these uh, episodes with you, man. And uh, yeah, excited about this uh, this episode here. We've got some good stuff coming. I think we do have some good stuff coming. Um but before we get into it, we we of course have we have an exciting sponsor today, one that even Mark Driscoll would be excited about. So wow. you must be thinking like, how does Matt and Keith have anything to do with Mark Driscoll? Well, this is it, the sponsor of today's episode. We'll hear from them, and then we'll get into the meat of today. Mm-hmm. We know how sick and tired you are of the namby pamby Jesus of progressive Christianity. We are too. That's why we started Rambo Jesus. At Rambo Jesus, we are more than a media company. We're a revolution. And not some wimpy love revolution your hippy-dippy pastor might talk about. We are talking about a real revolution, with a Bible in one hand and an AR-15 in the other. If you go to RamboJesus.com, you'll come across real Bible teachers spreading the real message of the gospel. None of this inclusive crap the liberals are talking about. We're talking about repentance, hellfire, guns, God, and even a bit of glory. So check out RamboJesus.com today if you want to know the real gospel. Rambo Jesus, kicking ass and taking names in the name of Jesus since 2019. Wow. Yeah, you know, it is great to have sponsors, though. I will say that. And and it's it's great to have sponsors again, like we've said, that we can back, that we can support. <laughs> like we get, it's it's a win win situation where, you know, we we monetize the show and uh, we support a cause. Yeah. That 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 fits with our ethics and our and our worldview. Mm, well, yeah, maybe. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> or, or maybe not. Or maybe, or maybe not. not. Or maybe, maybe we're just in it for the money, baby. Maybe it's just about you know, the money, and we're, it's all about the money. Maybe we need to scrutinize our uh, our sponsors a little, yeah, a little closer. Who's who's behind who's the scenes team? vetting these things? I don't know. And who's our? Yeah, we got who's our assistant? Anyway, um. <laughs> <laughs> we have an unrelated show to the pod, uh, to the to the sponsor today. That's right. And we well, don't have any no clips, just uh, us us talking. Yeah, which is fine. Yeah, and, and, you know th- that's what I like about this as well. Like we, the format is fluid, you know, and uh, we like sometimes gender. We do. Yeah, exactly. Which boy, what a what a segue. I'm yes, a, I'm a professional. <laughs> yes, I can tell. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I guess we want to talk about. I don't know what exactly how we want to phrase this as far as a, a topic, but um, this was something you came up with, right? This you, something you said you felt like you wanted to talk about this idea of, I guess the way. Um, the LGBTQ community is um, is treated not, I mean, we already know how they're treated in the evangelical fundamentalist world, but um, kind of the way they are sort of tolerated uh, or maybe some lip service is being, being given to supporting, quote unquote, supporting, uh, affirming, but in some progressive circles um, and then maybe looking a little closer at like how good is that? And is that true affirming? And, you know, what yeah. is that all about? Yeah. I mean, we all know the stories and the horror stories of, you know, gay, trans, lesbian people being kicked out of churches and being ostracized and kicked out of their families, kicked out of their homes. But there's this kind of like more subtle form of of not affirming people in their gender and their sexual orientation and I'm not going to name names, but I've I've seen it. You've seen it. Yep. We probably all know who we're talking about. But people who like almost just they tolerate us. They tolerate the LGBTQ community. Yep. They don't, you know, maybe they're pastors, maybe they're involved in churches. They don't perform same gendered, same sex marriages. Um, so it's almost like it's almost like that Animal Farm quote where all the animals are equal. Some are a little more equal. 
That's right. Yes, and, that is exactly and right. And there's not a single person in the LGBTQ community, there's not a single human being who just wants to be tolerated. Right. And so it's almost this like subtle, insidious form of discrimination that's, it's like, it's not that bad compared to yeah. getting kicked out on the streets when you're 17 and you come out gay, but it's still pretty shitty. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I don't think people realize how shitty it is. And they kind of like, oh, well, we have many people who are involved in our church who are gay and we love them. And it's like, yeah, but. <laughs> right. But only so far. That's but this only is the, yeah. so far. Yeah. Yeah. So this is exactly the kind of thing where like um, I'm going to I'm going to give an analogy that I, is unrelated, but in a way it is related. Um like I used to see the same thing when Wendy and I were really heavily involved. This is back in Orange County. Uh, we lived in Orange County and we were working with the homeless. Right. And um, quite often we would, there would be churches in the area that would come around that come alongside what we were doing in the motels and, and some of the, the, the tent city, you know, kind of the people living in tent city there outside of um, angel stadium and stuff. Anyway. So we, we, we'd have other churches come to us and they'd be like, Oh, we want to help. We want to blah, blah, blah. We want to, and do something. And, um, but what I realized quickly is that what most of them wanted to do was to basically, they want to do a drive by thing, right? Um, I want to come in at my convenience, throw some sandwiches at somebody, and then leave. And, uh, they weren't interested in getting to know anybody, have any connection, any long term relationship with people that were homeless or in poverty or that kind of thing. And it's sort of the petting the poor, is what we call it. Um, you know, just, mm-hmm. I want to pet the poor and then, oh, poor thing, and I'll see you next, next month. So, um, and so, I, this is the advice I would give to those churches. Um, I would say to them, you know what? If you are not willing to invite these p- same people to to sit next to you at the p- in the pew on Sunday morning, if you wouldn't invite these people over to your house for dinner, then do not, you know, I- engage in any kind of ministry to these people. Because what you're saying is, um, God loves you, but me not so much. I don't want to be around you. Really, I don't want you in my life. I don't want to hang out with you. I don't want to get to know you. I'm holding you at arm's length, but I'm saying Jesus loves you as I toss you a sandwich as I drive by. And so that exact same thing is a, is a metaphor, is an analogy to, I think, what the, what these progressive churches are doing. They want to be perceived as a church who cares about people um, who are not straight, right? And so, oh, yes, we love those people. But it's very obvious in the way that they're, quote unquote, loving those people, that they love them to a point. They love them, um, you know, on their own terms. And so, again, that's that's the kind of thing I would say, like you're 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 petting people that are gay. Right. You're you are um, you're doing a drive by kind of a thing of like, oh, I love you, but not really only so far. And what kind of what good is that kind of love? Like, it's not true love. It's not at all the love of Christ. It's not a f- complete and full affirmation of the human being as a person and saying, I love you exactly who you are. I'm not waiting one day for you, for the Holy Spirit to convict you of your sin, so you'll turn straight. Or, oh, it's okay that you're gay, just don't practice. Um, or it's okay that you're gay, but no, we're not going to marry you. Or we're not going to perform a wedding here because blah, blah, blah. Like all of those kinds of conditions that are set to the quote-unquote love, um, I don't know what you call that, but that's certainly not Christ-like love. Christ-like love is truly unconditional. Yeah. I'm not going to equate like the oppression black folks have faced in in the country to compare it to LGBTQ folks, but could you imagine Mm. tolerating people (laughs) of, you know, Mexican people, black people, any Latinx, Middle Eastern people in your church? Well, well, we don't marry them, but we love them. I mean, be like, get the (laughs) fuck out of here. Like you can't, you can't do that with any race, any, you know, any, anything else, except, except they do it with, with gay folks or with trans folks or with lesbian bi folks. Um, Mm -hmm. It, it's, uh, it's, you know, yeah. And that's again, not to, not to equate the oppression black folks have faced in the country. I, I don't like comparing and contrasting, but just imagine, imagine substituting a different group. Yeah. In and out of that. And, and no one in their right mind would be like, oh, yeah, they're loving them. Yeah. <laughs> like, wait, uh, hold yeah. on now. <laughs> no, you're reminding me, you're reminding me of, gosh, like maybe 10 years ago, I remember reading uh, an article about this uh, Southern Baptist church. And I think it wasn't even in the South. It wasn't like Mississippi or Georgia or something. I think it was like Arizona. 
which is uh, has its own problems. But anyway, um, but it was like a Southern Baptist church and they were, you know, the, their statement of faith, whatever, and on the website said that they welcome everybody and all that stuff. But, um, but they wouldn't perform an interracial marriage. And, uh, and so, but so they would act like, oh, you know, we have black people on staff. We have some black deacons and our worship leaders black and whatever. And so we love black people unless the black person wants to marry a white person. And it's like, uh, it's the same kind of thing. Like, no, you don't love black people. And okay. And so, um, I mean, okay. I have actually, I have actually done this before. So mea culpa here, but, um, and I, and I tend to try to, try to see the good in everything, you know? So, um, again, not naming names, but there was a, a situation a couple of years ago where a progressive pastor was be, kind of being publicly blasted for sort of almost, but not quite affirming gay people, right? Uh, saying I affirm, you know, I, I affirm that gay people are loved by Jesus and, you know, there's nothing wrong with them, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time also said, uh, he would not perform gay weddings in his church. And so he got blasted and roasted for that. And, um, I just jumped up and said, Hey guys, look, um, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Like, Hey, it's, it's better than, you know, just saying the opposite, right? I, I don't, I don't have any, I don't have any, um, tolerance for anybody who's gay or, or not straight. And so, Hey, this is at least a, he's, the needle is moving in a certain direction. Let's give this person time to process. Let's allow people opportunities to grow. And, you know, maybe over time, um, that position will continue to move in, in that positive direction to the point where maybe two or three years from now, they will be at that point. And so I, I just tried to sort of defend this person and say, you know, look, let's not cancel them immediately. They're not there yet, but you know, Hey, this is, this is a step in the right direction. Let's give them time to, to, uh, to kind of get it. <laughs> um, and so I, I mean, I still kind of feel that way, but at the same time, it's sort of like, I don't know how long to give somebody like it. Yeah. I guess it boils down. What it boils down to is if people aren't straight, if they are gay, if they are bi, if they are trans, um, they does. If that's who you are and not just you, Matt, but just anyone listening to this, you deserve a place that celebrates you and doesn't just tolerate you. And so I, I guess what I would say to, to any, to any of the people who are not feeling celebrated in a church, go somewhere else where you are. Um, and if that person takes a long time to figure it out, then that's fine. The day they, once they finally figure it out and go, Oh crap, I was wrong. Then maybe you can go back. But until then you deserve to go somewhere where you're not looked at sideways. You're not tolerated. You are celebrated completely. That's a good point. That's a tough question. Like, I think it's a balance. Like I would definitely tell LGBTQ people, unless you're completely celebrated, don't go to that church. Right. Um, and then try to still balance. Like, yeah, not everyone's there, but give them time. But at the but but during that time where you're taking time, yeah, don't expect people to come around. Like yeah. like some people are going to move on, and they should because it's it's just too harmful to be tolerated. Like. Yeah. I don't want my neighbors looking at my house and being like, oh, we just tolerate them. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be someone who's tolerated. Like, that's, that's, that's like you tolerate, like, as you get older, I tolerate skin tags. I, you know, yeah. I, to- <laughs> I tolerate my back's fucked up right now. Like, yeah. You know, like, I don't want to be seen as like, you know, I, I'm, I'm something that you just have to deal with. Well, I'd rather not have to, but, you know. Yeah. We got to yeah. deal with, we got to deal with these people who are different than us. And yeah, so it's, yeah, it's, a, that's a tough question. How long do you give someone like I'm, I'm of the mind that anyone in its most insidious forms, cancel culture sucks. Right. Because we would all look back on some shit we said 10 years ago and be oh, like, yeah. Oh God damn. Like I wouldn't <laughs> say that again. Right. Um, and even the people who are most, proponents of cancel culture if they got like honest with themselves probably said some stupid shit back in the past so in its most extreme forms i'd say yeah it's bad but there i mean there's there is some there's something correct about cancel culture like you know like some people should be quote-unquote canceled like fucking matt lauer yeah (laughs) you know like yeah you know shit like that um 
Yeah. So yeah, it, it's this balancing act, and 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 it's tough to strike the balance. Yeah. And see, this again, I think this is probably where my sort of sympathy for the devil uh, response comes from, because because of exactly that, because you know, I can look back at my own life and see, you know, man, you know, like on, on this specific issue, you know, it took a while for um, for me to turn the corner on this. You know, I wrestled with it for quite a while um, before. I mean, and I went through those stages. I went through the stages of well, no, the Bible says it's sin. And then, then I kind of moved a little bit and said, well, um, you know, especially once I saw what the scriptures really didn't actually say, what I, what my English Bible told me it said, like, oh, that word never appeared in the Bible till 1946, whatever. Okay. So then I figured that out, like, oh, it doesn't even say that. Okay. But then I still kind of felt like, well, I, you know, for, for a time I did have that, that uh, opinion that it's okay to be gay, just don't practice it. Right. Yeah. So you can be gay because having those feelings isn't a sin. You know, having, you know, even like Jesus says, having, um, um, acting on the, acting on what you do is, 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 is the worst thing, right? You, you don't want to actually put these things into practice. Having the thought, yes, it's the same as having it, uh, same as doing it. But, but, um, you know, you can have a, a thought and then not act on it. Right. So anyway, I, I, I held that view for a while. But then I wasn't comfortable with that either. Like the more I thought about that, I was like, well, that just seems, this doesn't seem fair, right? It's like it's very convenient for me as a straight person to say to someone who's gay, hey, it's okay for you to have those thoughts and feelings about someone of the same sex. Um, just don't act on them. So basically yeah. just be celibate your entire life. But hey, I get I'm gonna to go, marry. I'm going to go fuck my wife. But yes, you exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get to, I get to enjoy being married and, and, and having a, a loving relationship with someone, but, but I yeah. won't give it to you. And then I feel like that doesn't seem right. Why would I withhold that from somebody? It doesn't seem right. So anyway, it took me a while. And then really what honestly it helped me to turn the corner was, you know, really patient, loving, understanding, kind uh, people who were bi and trans um, and gay who had patience with me and helped me process things. And just even, even just, being in relationship and friendship with some of these these beautiful people that I was like, man, I see Christ in them more than I see Christ in my straight friends, you know? And so, you know, so it did take me a while to to try to, to finally turn that corner. And so I guess that's why I I want to have grace for people who are as long as they are moving there, as long as they are kind of moving in the direction, they haven't landed on something and they're they're stuck in it. But they, you know, I want to give people opportunities to grow and mature and, and reach a place where they can turn the corner. Um, so, yeah, I, I want to hold space for that, too. Yet, yeah, I, I definitely would not, let's say, hear uh, a statement from anybody, any progressive pastor, author, teacher or whatever, who said something like that publicly, like, yeah, you can be gay, just don't practice it or yeah I, I i love people that are gay but i won't you know i won't have them on staff or i won't marry them or something i would i would just say yeah dude um i'm not going to support you <laughs> i i can't yeah. i can't i can't support what you're doing and what you're saying and you know the day you do kind of turn the corner yeah we can talk but until then probably not i think i think it's kind of how you build your platform too like if you're if you're in the public sphere in any sort of way and you've built your platform on your stances then it's going to be really hard to turn the corner. It's going to be really hard to change them. Yet some of us, I don't know about, I think you've done this too, is you've built your platform on being fluid in your beliefs. Yeah. Like, so it's not a big deal. Like if you go back and look at your, one of your first books, it's not a big deal. Like if you, if you're, yeah. I look at all set free and I'm like, nope, wouldn't write it like that. I just that's wouldn't. Right. That's and that's right. cool though, because that's part of my journey. So part of my platform is, is my journey and same with you and same with like, Heretic Happy Hour in general, yeah. other things that we've been doing. It's like we'd look at, I'd look at episode one. I, I haven't listened to that since it probably came out, but I bet if we did, we'd be like, oh, damn, I didn't realize how different the show is. Like it's yeah. completely different. Yes. So, but if you've, but if, but, but if on day one, like your whole platform is built on X, Y, and Z, and those things haven't moved, the needle hasn't moved at all, yeah. Yeah. it's going to be way more difficult to be like, dude. Guys, I was wrong about all that, and yeah. so now I got to yeah. take a one eighty on it. You might see things crumble. You might see people leave your church. You might see people unfriend you, unfollow you. 
you might not sell as many books. I'm not saying that's what's going on, but it just it's going to be harder if you've been entrenched in one way of believing for like 10, 15 years. Yeah. It's going to be hard yeah. to go back. Yeah, because, you know, so like I wrote Jesus Untangled. That was the first book I published with choir um, a little over five years ago. And I, I get messages from people a lot where they're reading Jesus Untangled. And um, so they, they, they know who I am from Heretic Happy Hour. Uh, maybe they've read some of my, one, of my more, one of my more recent books, like Jesus and Forsaken or something like that. And so they've gone back to read Untangled. And uh, it's five years old. And I get messages from people like, Keith, I'm really confused because it seems like you're talking like not, you know, only Christians are going to go to heaven or, um, you know, not everybody is in Christ or maybe I'll say something about Satan or, you know, the enemy, you know, who's tempting us or uh, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and in that book, right, because I wrote that five years ago yeah. and I'll have to just say I just and so they're like, I'm confused, Keith, why you're saying these things now, but you, you're kind of you don't say those things and like Jesus is unexpected or you know, about the end times or, or, or about hell, Jesus undefeated when you're writing about hell. And um, it's because, well, my, my theology has changed since yeah. I wrote that book. And I have considered, I've thought about that. Like, well, maybe, maybe I need to go back, let's say to Jesus Untangled specifically and, edition. and do a second edition. But you know what? It's almost like, damn, it's so embedded in so much of what I'm seeing in that book. Like, I'd have to rewrite the whole book. I think I'm not even sure. It's like, it's not, it's not as easy as like, I'll just change a sentence here and sentence there. Yeah. Like it's just really tough. And then, so it's hard to know. Like now I have gone back. I have. Um, uh, so when I, I wrote a book before I published with choir, I had self published a book about house church called, this is my body. Ecclesia as God intended. And then um, that book, I, I did revise that book. And then I added another 40, uh, 40 pages to that book. Um, and that, that became Jesus Unveiled, which is the one about house church. And so that one I did revise it because there were things in that book that I, I, I absolutely like, I did not want anything in print with my name on it that, that said yeah. these things because, yeah. because in that book I had said in the previous book, what I had said was like, um, that only women could be elders in the church. And I'm like, well, bullshit. No, don't believe that at all. And I, I need to update that. I need to change that. Yeah. So, you know, there, there have been things that I have updated in my books. It's just difficult to know when and how sometimes to update those books. Like, um, I, 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 right now I'm that's my, that's my default thing. If, if anybody asks me about my theology in Jesus Untangled, I'm like, yeah, I wrote that five years ago. I've changed my mind since then. Yeah. Yeah. But that's been part of your, you know, I, the way I view writing, the way I view content creation is almost like, yeah, I'm going to hold some things close to the vest, but for the most part, like my creative process is almost like, hey, I'm going to let you look into the journaling. Yeah. So my books are almost like, yeah, they're not they're not just chicken scratch. I mean, they're edited and they're professional. <laughs> sure, <of course>. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, that's where I was in All Set Free. I was like Christian universalist, patristic. Yep. Biblical in a way. Yes. I've moved from that, although I'm fine with it. Like mm -hmm. I, I, I wouldn't necessarily like be embarrassed by anything I wrote. It, it came out in 2015. So it's been six, six, seven years. Yeah. But at the same time, I wouldn't write it again. And that's okay. Right. And it's okay that from the blood of Abel is different than heretic and heretic's going to yeah. be probably a little bit different than its follow up. And yes, and yeah. I, ha I haven't built a platform on any of those one things. And so yeah. Again, like, you know, I would probably, yeah, if I had, if I had a whole following built on, let's say hell, yeah. like, like Fran Francis Chan, like, yes. it'd be really difficult for someone like Francis Chan to flip on something like that. Or for John Piper to say, Calvinism's bullshit. Like that yeah. ain't happening, man. Yes. Well, th but it would be great if it did. Wouldn't it be amazing if, if they, these guys would. And so now this is a good point. This is a good point because, um, like you said, so, so sometimes authors, um, they do kind of sort of build their house upon a certain rock yeah. and, and then it becomes even more difficult to, you know, there, there's a very, very famous quote, right. That says something like, it's very difficult to convince a man of something when his livelihood depends on him not seeing it. Yeah. 
And, um, and, and that's the case sometimes, right? So yeah. I think that's the reason why I, I am much more comfortable. I know you're this way too. I kind of don't want to put all my eggs in any basket. Like I, I, yeah. I do want to say to people, um, I'm growing and I'm learning. And, you know, I, I, I never want the cement to be dry, certainly when it comes to theology. Um, because, I mean, so for example, the book I'm writing at the moment, which hopefully will be out in a couple of months, um, is all about embracing mystery. And so, honestly, man, this book is, I, mean, I, I kind of say this about every book, <laughs> but I, but I kind of feel like this is the book where I earned my heretic badge. Um, cause I, I just have gotten to the place where, man, in a lot of ways, I just want to move on from the Bible, you know? Um, and I do still read it and I do still quote from it and all that. And I know, I do know that for a lot of people that I, talk to and my sort of quote unquote audience, a lot of them still really do care about what the Bible says. Yeah. And, you know, so, so, okay. Yeah. If I'm trying to make a point and I can show them from the scripture that what I'm saying isn't crazy, like actually, you know what, it's supported here, here and here. Yeah. And sure I can do that. But the truth is personally, I just don't, I'm getting to the place where I just don't care if it's exactly. in the Bible or not. Yeah. I just don't give a crap. Yeah, I mean, this is the way I look at it is like for I'm going to be 40 this year. I've spent I mean, I spent over 25 years as a Christian and and no one's convinced me that I should care what the Bible says. Yeah. Like you haven't like in, in when you're making an argument in logic and maybe you're debating someone like the burden of proof is on the one making an affirmative, right? The one asserting something. Yes. It, you, you're not going to prove the negative, right? So please show me why I should care about what the Bible says. Right. Like I, I know what I know a lot of things in the Bible. I'm pretty learned. Yeah. Like I've studied it a lot. I've written about it a lot. I, I even still quote it a lot. Yeah. Less so maybe these days, but but I I, I haven't. No one's made a case that says. I mean, it's all question begging for me. Yep. It's all question begging. Like, why should I care more about that than the Quran? Right. Or the Upanishads or the Vedas? Like, yep. Yep. I like those other things. I read them. I have them on my bookshelf, but but they're not my authority and, and neither should the Bible be. Why? why? Yep. I, I'm forced to ask the question why. So even like the clobber passages, we've covered them on Harrison yes. Happy Hour. Yes. We've covered them in print on our blogs. At the end of the day, even if they'd condemn homosexuality yeah what do i care what the fuck do i care <laughs> right and so again it's also recognizing obviously this is it's also the way you approach the bible right so like my approach to the bible it used to be this is the word of god right in other words god god basically spoke these things and dictated these things and were written down and these are the holy heavenly you know perfect words of god well i don't think that anymore i, I i'm now very convinced God didn't write the Bible. People did. And the people that wrote it thousands of years ago yeah. were people, you know, who thought the uh, the sun rotated around the earth and didn't believe that, you know, he didn't even have any concept of the bacteria existed. They thought that, you know, women's hair was pulling testosterone, you know, up out of their groin into their body so they could get pregnant. It's like, it's, it's, it's just crazy. And, like recognizing that, look, I'm not saying that to discredit it. No, because sure. there's some great philosophy there's great in there. Stuff. There's great shit. Yeah. There's poetry in there, and there is some wisdom in it. And so, you know, take the good, you know, eat, eat the good, spit out the bones. It's like, but there's a lot of bones. I see a lot of bones to spit out. Um, you know, ideas about, I, so again, it's just this wackadoodle thing. Like whenever we watch, like, or I do. I don't know if you do. <laughs> I, I definitely do it more than I should. Like Lisa Childers or Sean McDowell, these other guys. And when I see them constantly saying, you know, but the Bible says, or it's biblical. Like just the other day, there was something in Lisa Childers and she was saying basically that, um, you know, saying that the Bible uh, has clearly defined gender roles. And I just want to say, well, you know why? Because those people lived in a very strict patriarchal society that treated women like like property. And so if you can take a step back and recognize that is what is going on, this is why the Bible is like that. Because God wanted it to be that way? No, because that's their framework. That was their paradigm. That was their lens. And so, of course, they wrote it in this 
male-dominated way that treated women like property. And so, but that doesn't mean that God wants that. It doesn't mean that you should do that. That's 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 that ridiculous to me leap of logic of like, like you said, it's not my authority. So so does the Bible have quote unquote clearly defined gender roles? Yes. Are they good? No. And so I don't have to follow that. And I would even bristle at that because even that's a conversation. Like when Paul talks about women, like he's coming from a context where it's very defined and rigid. Yes. And he even pushes the needle a little further than than it is. So did Paul get it right? No. Did Paul get everything right? No. No. But I think even Paul, as as anti-woman as he comes across as in places, yeah. Moves the needle forward from where he's at. Now, oh, should we yeah. stay there? No. 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 But, <laughs> yes. That, so that's even when, like, I can't, like, biblical Christianity, historic Christianity, like, oh, my God, that you might as well just be saying nonsense. You're not yeah. saying anything. That's right. There's no such thing as something that's biblical. Yes. Right? Like, there's not one thing. Like, it is, right. yeah. it's, it, it's like taking... I've got this book, um, Universal Salvation, The Current Debate, and it's these philosophers and theologians discussing universal salvation. It's like taking something from that book and saying, oh, this is what the book says. It's like, no, the book is specifically an argument. Right. Like it is a debate back and and forth, rebuttals, counter rebuttals, all this. That's what the Bible is. So you cannot – you can't even say – Oh, it's biblical Christian. What does that even mean? That doesn't right. mean it's meaningless. That's that's mumbo jumbo. <laughs> no, see, that's that's exactly right. That's the other problem I have with it is that uh, that whole is it biblical thing is like, look, dude, and I say this all the time. There's a lot of crap that's biblical, right? Patriarchy, polygamy, slavery, genocide. Those are biblical things. And meaning the Bible teaches them and doesn't explicitly condemn them. And um, people can and have used the Bible to justify all of those things. So I don't care if it's something is biblical. Like, stop saying that. Uh, I just don't care if it's biblical because biblical, honestly, most of the time is something pretty horrific. Um, now, again, I think if we were to just look at Jesus or something is Christ-like, that's a better place to start, okay? Because uh, Jesus is not someone who's like, uh, who's against women or who condemns homosexual people or anybody who's not gender normative. In fact, he he specifically honors people who are quote unquote born that way yeah. and uh, and are not you know either physically and or sexually um you know participating in the gender normative sexuality uh, of the day. By the way, in the exact same passage where he's asked about marriage uh, so again, that, that part gets left out most of the time when Christians are want to talk about, well, you know, the Jesus defined marriage. Well, no, he really didn't. He was asked a question no, about divorce, yeah. and he had a, he answered a question about divorce, but he did not define marriage. Yeah, that's that's such a. I mean, for as being as um, literal as uh, literalist as people <laughs> like to think, like like you can't take when a dude is pinned up against the corner with a gotcha question from someone who's trying to trick someone into an answer. Right. And he gives an answer. And then to like, to think that Jesus, now we have to create this theological truism universally applied is really absurd. Like it's really absurd. It's the same thing when Paul talks about like women honor the man and and men, you know, you know, it's like, okay, but he's coming from a context where, it was never like the man, the man's like going to serve the woman. Like, so right, right. he's moving it forward. It's not to just, right. oh, now we're going to apply it universe. Oh, I shall not permit a woman to speak. Maybe he was thinking like, no, I'm not going to permit that woman to speak. I no, mean, exactly. like, there's yeah. a group of women lying about some shit. We can't then say, oh, all women lie. So therefore <laughs> they can't be in church and talking like. That's right. Yeah, it's how, it, it's how it gets <laughs> applied. That's exactly right. That That is the problem with how it gets applied. And. Um, yeah, this is the reason why, like, I'm just really ready to move on from the Bible. And so, yeah, my next book, I mean, I quote scripture in it and, um, to kind of support for the people that are like scared, I, cause I, I definitely will stop and say like, Hey, I know this sounds scary to you, but just so you know, um, <laughs> this isn't something anti-biblical if you need it to be biblical, but, uh, and see that again, that's the irony, like. 
there's so much in the New Testament, especially where Jesus and Paul and, and the other New Testament writers encourage us to um, to think for ourselves and to seek truth for ourselves. The problem is the Bible has been used to teach the opposite. So, you know, then you kind of have to untie that knot. Uh, and that's what I'm trying to do in the book. But like, I, I just want to like, I, I want to personally just move on from the Bible and say, look, look, first of all, Jesus even said, um, you know, that there is more truth than what is in your Bible. Right. And the part where he's told the disciples, I have much more to say to you um, that I can't tell you now, but it'll be re- revealed to you later. Um, and then also in John, it says the author of the Gospel of John says, and Jesus said and did many more things that if all the books in all the world we could not contain them. Okay, so what that tells you right away, Jesus said more stuff that's in the Bible. But so he, he did things and said things that are not in the Bible. Jesus even told his disciples, hey, yeah, there's stuff I want to tell you that I haven't told you yet, but, um, you know, you can't handle it right now, so down the road you'll get it. So we're getting clues right there from Jesus, from the Gospels, that the Bible doesn't contain all the truth that we need and that that is necessary. And so it's, it's, we need to be able to think beyond the Bible. We have to, first of all, there was no quote unquote Bible for several hundred years of Christianity. So, and yet those people, I would say they knew God. I would say they knew Christ. Um, they would say that, um, without a Bible. So yeah, I just would love for us to be able to move beyond that. And, um, and part of it, part of it too is we are so conditioned not to trust ourselves, right? Uh, you know, oh, you don't, don't listen to your own thoughts. They're evil and sinful all the time. You know, um, there's nothing good in you. You're a wretch and a worm. So people really have been conditioned not to like discern truth for themselves, to, to even mistrust their own ability to know truth or to hear from God or to have some kind of connection with God, you know, apart from the pastor, apart from what lines up with quote unquote scripture. Um, so yeah, it's really difficult, I think. Because of that, a lot of Christians, we've been conditioned not to think, not to seek truth for ourselves, uh, not to trust our own ability to do, to know truth. I thought, I think we can. And I think, gosh, we need to, because we're just being, we're still being held back to something, you know, what God was maybe saying and doing 2000 years ago, but that has nothing to do with what's happening today. And I think that goes back to like our original point about the LGBTQ, LGBTQ community is that like if I go to a pastor and I, you know, am saying, hey, I have these desires, these homoerotic desires, and the pastor would probably import their own wretchedness, yeah. yes. or their own perceived wretchedness, yes. quoting Isaiah and, yes. you know, this this worm theology, as you call it. Yes. And and think like, oh, this is obviously from your deprived nature that's yes. causing you to stumble, brother. Yes. Or it's the devil, if you know. Yes. And so, rather than rather than seeing people as you know, like original goodness, original blessing, and right. then and then some sort of fucked upness, like <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't think we should go too far and say we're completely perfect just the way we are no, yeah, in not. every single way. Yes. I think when people who do that have like swung the pen I get why they do it, but sure. they've swung the pendulum far too far. I agree. Um yeah. but if we start Richard Rohr would say like original blessing, original goodness, start yeah. there. Yeah. And stop importing your own ideas of depravity upon others. Yeah. And yourself. And yourself. I mean, you know, you don't need yeah. to self shame. Um if you yeah. have desires that are not normative, that's okay. I was talking to a pastor who He's not quite there on affirming LGBTQ. And it's not even the Bible, he says. It's just like biology and design and what's uh-huh. and he but uh-huh. he was conflating he was <laughs> conflating normativity with like what's um it's kind of like the bandwagon fallacy. More people are straight. Yes. yes. And it's like Therefore, well, even if that's true. Who the fuck? Most people aren't poets. Should yeah. we say that it's not okay to be a poet? No, I think that you should be a poet. Like, and it should yeah. be unique. Like, yeah. some of the most unnormative people are the people we celebrate the most. Tom Brady just retired. Say what you want about Tom Brady, but you can't argue that he's not fucking great. Right. Like, he's not normative. He's the like, most. Yeah. The most he's the most unnormal. He's the most unnormative football yeah. player of all time. Yes. Like that should be championed, not like oh well, he's not normative, so. 
therefore he's not quite okay. It's like, no, he won seven Super Bowls. He won more Super Bowls than any other franchise. Any other, that's right. So yeah, sometimes it's a, it's good to be unnormative. That's right. Yeah, and then there is some of that. Um, yeah, it's one of those. I'm sure there's a name for it, the logical fallacy that that's that's being involved there. But it is sort of like that. Yeah, when I've heard people try to make that argument, like, well, if everyone was gay, the plant, the species would die. I'm like, yeah, but they're not. So what's your problem? Like, yeah, yeah, the point. A- why do we all have to be that? Like, your argument is that we all should be the same. We should all. We should. Everybody should be this way or that way. But that's not the argument. People who are gay aren't saying everybody should be gay. They're just saying I am, <laughs> and and yeah. we should be able to say okay. Um, you know what I mean? Like, why do we have to be, you know, when we, when we push it to this thing, we're like, well, biologically, like, look, you know what? You really, really want to get into the biology and let's talk about intersex. Um, let's talk about hermaphrodites. Let's talk about like, look, gender, sexuality, it's not binary. And if you really want to look at it, look at the biology, look at, look even across species, you know. Um, it's not binary. It's not. No. Now, the problem is, again, this is the Bible, but the Bible says God made them male and female. And it doesn't say he also made intersex and he also made this. And, and in fact. But Jesus said that people are born eunuchs. That's right. And he, and and he in, blessed and in, people. And, he blessed and, people. Right. He blesses people because in, in, his, in his day, there was groups of people who wouldn't allow those eunuchs to be in the temple, to That's be right. priests. That's right. Well, Moses flat out says, if you are deformed, physically deformed. If, if your if testicles you are, are crushed, right? If your testicles are crushed. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you're a eunuch, um, if uh, all these things, if you, even if you're sick, like all of these people, according to Moses, are not allowed in the temple in the presence of God. And that's one of the, again, this, you and I have talked about this before. This is the one of the things that people miss is how radically Jesus reformed, specifically Moses. He basically just flips Moses off and says, Moses was wrong. You have heard it said, quotes Moses and says, but I say to you. And and when this is one of those beautiful ways that, that Jesus models, he models it more than he specifically, you know, contradicts it. But, you know, by saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. And then what we see him doing is embracing the sick. He doesn't, he doesn't shun them. The deformed, he doesn't shun them. He he embraces them. He loves them. They're the people, his favorite people. Um, you know, he blesses eunuchs. He doesn't curse them. Like the all the people that Moses sort of um, put in this category of quote unquote unclean and said they're not welcome. Jesus welcomed, and that's radical. That's huge. And so, you know, we miss that, and I think we have to we have to recognize that that uh, what Jesus did was he affirmed women. He celebrated women. He celebrated all the people that Moses and, and many of the Old Testament uh, prophets, quote unquote, um, you know, uh, condemned. And so I think yeah. that I, I think that's a big part of his. Uh, we miss this on his like um, his teachings on hell or Gehenna. Yes, I think that's I think that's why he specifically uses the imagery of like tearing out your eye. Mm-hmm. To um, what? There's three things, right? Pluck out your eye. Cut off your cut hand. Out, cut off your hand. Like you could not enter the temple, so it's better to enter maimed into the kingdom of heaven, right? Than to end, than to be unblemished and end up in Gehenna, because this whole system is ending up in Gehenna. Oh, I love so that. I, I, I never even thought to, of that. Yeah, because you couldn't. If you had an eye plucked out, you can't end up in the temple. That but, is so great, man, dude! You're blowing my mind. I never even thought that. Yeah. So what Jesus is really saying is. It's better not to enter the temple, not to participate in that temple system. Because where's it going to lead anyway? Yeah, yeah. Well, it won't. He's saying it won't lead you to the kingdom. It'll let. Right? It'll. And you'll end up in Gehenna, which, That's right. which is exactly where they ended up anyway. Yeah. Unblemished Damn. and all. That's beautiful. I love that. Yeah, yeah I never it's, thought about the the implications of of be of maiming yourself because maiming yourself, yeah, would have put you in the category of someone who no longer is welcome in the temple. Ooh. Yeah. And see, isn't it also then about solidarity? It's saying like, I'm going to be in solidarity with those people that, that um, Moses condemned. And I'm going to say, no, I'm one of them. I'm, I'm going to be like them. I, I'm, I'm identifying as one of them because those people, the main, the blind, they're going to make it right. That's, yeah. that's the point. That's the irony. He flips it upside down. Yeah. That's really good. I like that. Yeah. 
Well, good stuff, man. Um, I, I had something before I said that, but I don't. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's all good. That's what this podcast is all about. Off the cusp. There's no yep. show notes. Just going, man. That's right. Just talking. Just going. And, you know, going going back to, uh, oh, going back to the um, the uh, the argument from, like, science and the yep. argument from biology. Yeah. It's uh, what I like to do. It's, of course, a logical fallacy to say, oh, if everyone was gay, there'd be no procreation. <laughs> Right. I like to flip it and do like a reductio ad absurdum and be like, okay, please, when your wife starts giving you a blowjob, please stop her because <laughs> last I checked. It's not going to lead to having It's not going to lead to any babies. Yeah. Or or if, if a woman is, if your wife is post-menopausal, please don't have sex with her. That's right. Please no anal sex, no, no hand jobs. Yep. The minute, no the minute your wife, uh, yes, is menopausal, yeah. that's it. No more sex ever. It's yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you Cut know what? Off. No, I I agree with you, and and for some people that might work, but I'm no kidding. I know people. I literally had someone in my house. They were in our house church, uh, and of course it was an older guy, and he literally was saying that Wendy and I were essentially, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, that we had we had essentially uh, aborted children because my because Wendy was on the pill when we first got married for a couple of years because we had sex. Um, and she took a pill that would make sure she wouldn't get pregnant. And that, that was a sin. Oh. And I was like, dude, seriously? That's, that's extreme. Yeah, that's, that's so, there are some people that are that extreme and, uh, they're out there, which is weird. Do they, do they not ever have an ejaculate anywhere but inside well, of a woman <laughs> who could yeah. probably bear children? Yeah. And I guess if he does, you know, he's going to have to like really repent and flog himself or something. To, oh, God. Yeah, I, please think, I think he flogs himself too often, probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. isn't, it, isn't it true that um, like most women's bodies like naturally, quote unquote, abort? Yeah. 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 Don't, don't, this is the thing. Like, if you really want to go into biology, I'm uh, no scientist. Obviously. Yeah. This, you, you have a problem. Uh, well, even like, and you and I mentioned this before too, I think that, um, there's so many things that Christians uh, believe and celebrate that the Bible actually, you know, condemns and says, says I mean, actually it says the opposite, right? Like abortion is one of them, right? Where like the Bible is not, at least the Old Testament is not anti-abortion. In fact, there's a recipe for how to have one. Um, as long as you suspect that she's sleeping around, that's right? right. Yeah. Go to the priest and the priest will basically perform an abortion uh, to quote unquote determine whether she's. Uh, been unfaithful which is kind of fucked up it's like um it's like when they were trying people for witches like if you swim you're a witch we're gonna kill you if you drown well you're fucking dead and you but well she wasn't a witch but she drowned but we killed her yes (laughs) like a fucked up uh system there yeah good news everybody (laughs) she's not a witch bad news she's dead she drowned the bottom of the east river (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh man yeah. 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 That's true. There is, um, there is the bitter water that, uh, that you should drink again. And, and again, that's pretty patriarchal story. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Where's the, where's the chapter, you know, for the woman? Hey, if you think your husband has been cheating on you, yeah. go to the priest and he'll drink something and his, you know, his penis will fall off. His, if he's been cheating, his penis will explode. There we go. That, that needs to be in there. That maybe that's a lost chapter. <laughs> Keith, you should write a blog post where they found some sort of scroll, yes, and it's like it. the it. woman's liberation version of Numbers. What is it, five or twenty-five? Oh, twenty-five. One of yes, those. I'll say. I'll say. I'll write. I'll do like a, a satire. I'll say. Um, yeah. Translators uh, have unearth- uh, like Dead Sea Scrolls. Translators have unearthed a fragment hidden in one <laughs> of the other scrolls and translated it, and it's actually a missing uh, part of the, uh, that chapter. Where I don't know what's in Deuteronomy, right? About the bitter waters. No, it's in numbers. The numbers, okay, yeah. uh, and, and and it's a it's an older translation. It's older than the ones that we have, and it yeah. includes this these additional texts for instructions on for the woman. Yeah, yeah and yeah. see the, the things that go to your priest. Go to your and, priest. And if if he's been if his penis has been in another vagina for like the last three months, it'll it explode. explode within the first five minutes. That's right. He <laughs> will drink these bitter waters, and he his penis will explode. Uh. Yeah. If I you think, don't write that, I'm going to. Okay, I'll, I'll write it. No, I'll write it. Please I'll do. Write. Please I'll do. 
I'll give you credit that I'll say, you know, uh, you, uh, you, you, you brought this to my attention. Yeah. And people will be like, I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, well, so you, you, got, you got anything else to wrap us um, up? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I do, but I'm afraid it'll send us off in another direction, but, um, maybe I'll save it for next time. Okay. Let's save it for next time. Tease it out. Give me a, give me a teaser. Well, um, just all this talk about like how we need to balance out some of the patriarchal stuff in the Bible. Um, I was just talking with some friends the other day about like how how cool would it have been if Jesus had been a woman? Like if the Messiah that they were all waiting for um, not only wasn't this you know militant um, you know revolutionary they were expecting who was going to lead them in this you know war to overthrow the Romans. But what if he, what if you know Jesus was even more, or the Messiah was even more radical, and it was actually a woman? Like, man, how that would have just been so awesome! I I, I want to live in the alternate reality where the Messiah that they were waiting for, um, who did all the same miracles, who did all the same amazing teaching, um, was a woman. That would have just been really cool. Well, I would channel my inner Jamal, and he'd probably suggest that that is exactly what happened, and that <laughs> it was, her Mary name was Mary Magdalene. <laughs> uh, and then, I guess you're right. We can see what they did. They just they just cut her right out of the story and that, completely that erased would, her. Hey, I, I don't believe in a lot of the conspiracies surrounding that, but that's exactly what they would do. Well, no, look, Elizabeth Schrader, right, has has basically proven there's incredible smoking gun that the Gospel of John. Uh, there was an intentional erasure of um, Mary Magdalene yeah. from from that story, and so in the original one, it was Mary Magdalene. Uh, very good evidence, very you know, very very good evidence that that's what happened. Yeah. Um, and she found it, and there, and in fact, it's going to be put in study Bibles now coming up, uh, probably very soon. There'll be notes to that effect, and so you know, well, when you, you still, see you that, still talk to her, huh? Oh yeah, yeah, she's awesome. I love her. Yeah, she's she's doing great work, man, and. Um, and yeah. this isn't some French scholar, like she's no. like a scholar. She, scholar. She's a duke or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's big time. She's 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 serious. And um, here's the thing about it too, though, real quick, just about that, what she found. Because when she found it, she wasn't uh, a doctoral student. She wasn't, you know, studying right. for her doctorate in this area. She literally was just somebody who thought Mary Magdalene was interesting. Went to the library, looked up on you know some microfish or something. Um, uh, a copy of the, the oldest copy that we have of the gospel of John and was just reading it. And she saw this, she came across it. And then that led to her wanting to pursue, you know, academics and publish the paper and all what she did. So that's what I think is really fascinating about what she found, but here's what blows my mind. And she says this too, that when she brought it to the attention of her uh, professors and said, this is what I want to write. She just assumed they would all say, Oh yeah, yeah. We've seen that. Sorry. Um, that they would say, you know, oh yeah, we've seen it. Is that a landline? What do you got there, Keith? No, it's just my phone. It's a sweet ringer. Yeah. Um, that, um, sorry. So anyway, so when she showed it to her, uh, her professors and, uh, she just assumed they would just nod and go, oh yeah, yeah, we've seen that. But none of them had seen it. None of them had noticed it. And it's like, why? I almost wonder, like, is that how far the patriarchal sort of assumption goes that even these scholars, when they see something like that, it's almost like, ah, I can't be that, or I don't want to believe that. Damn it. This is the amateur hour. Jeez. I am sorry. You should be. Is it an important call? You can, no. You can take it. Take it on the air. No. I don't. <laughs> I, I don't. I honestly don't even know who it is, so I apologize. That's I thought right. my ringer was turned off. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's like, how how is it? How long... I mean, you know, if Elizabeth hadn't come along and seen this, how long would it have been before anybody noticed it? It almost feels like it, it had to be a woman to notice it. Like none of these men ever saw it, or if they did see it, they just brushed right on by it. Well, this is, uh, you know, to tease our next um, series that we're doing on Heretic Happy Hour. This is why we're doing it. Yes. It's because you have your lens as, let's say, a, a white male straight scholar. Yep. You're not going to see it from a womanist or a Latinx, or a trans, yep. or black liberation. Yep. You're not going to see it from these lenses. It's yep. going to take people who live that life to see it. And this is where we have to have empathy and compassion for those people and, and say, okay, this is how we can approach it in many different ways. 
no longer should we think of theology as like default, it's it really white straight American, let's say theology. Yeah. It's, it's, we can call it, let's call it white theology and, yes. and black theology. Yes. And, and, and instead of you put, instead of putting the modifier on all of the other ones, yes. you put the modifier on, on white theology too. It's white theology. Yes, that's exactly right. And I, I, that's why I'm excited about this series. It is really good. In fact, you know, you and I, we, we know because we've already recorded like most of it. Uh, so inside scoop, baby. We're telling you guys who are listening, you, once that series begins, please, you've got to check it out. Because, you know, here's the thing, too. It's not just um, – I, I, I think it's – so So as let's just say, as for me speaking as a white, male, straight, you know, theologian or whatever, um, I do have a lens and, and, and I do have a blind spot. And this is why – you know, someone like me needs to read uh, The Cross and the Lynching Tree. This is yeah. why someone like me needs to read, you know, womanist theology. That's why I need to yeah. listen to uh, queer theology yeah. and, and all that. Because, uh, I number one, I have something to learn. Number two, by listening to those other people, what I will notice is all the things I have missed, all yeah. the things I have not seen or noticed uh, and that I need to. So it's really about... Um, expanding, uh, you know, our, our horizons a little bit, yeah, because um, we really need to. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong. Like when people people who think like, oh, we got you got a blind spot, they hear that, and they get defensive. Yeah, but there's nothing wrong with a blind spot. We all have we, have. we we have blind spots in our car. That's right. Just have the <laughs> you have the tools to see around the blind spot. Right. And so the tools are to listen to black women, to listen to, to lesbians, to listen yeah. to trans folks. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with a blind spot. That's right. Just use, use your tools. I mean, if, if you have, if you're driving a car and you take down your mirrors <laughs> right. and you're driving with blind spots and you're not checking your, well, then, then there's a problem, but right. there's no problem to have a blind spot as long as you keep an eye on them. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. It's not, yeah. It, it, it's something where we all have them uh, um, in many different ways. We have it. We have them uh, theologically, culturally, sociologically, psychologically. We have them about ourselves. We don't, you know, people don't like to, uh, you know, face things about themselves. Like, yeah, maybe I'm kind of a dick or maybe I am impatient or maybe yeah. uh, whatever, you know, whatever. We all have it. And so, Golly, you know, you got to be somebody who's just honest with that, with yourself about those things. Yeah. So that you can grow so that you can like, well, I don't want to, I mean, you know what I mean? It's like one of these things like you don't want to walk around all day with a piece of spinach in your teeth and then come home at the end of the day and look in the mirror and go, oh crap, wait a minute. I had that there the whole time. Yeah. And nobody told me like, no, I want to know if I'm walking around with like toilet paper on my shoe, please. Or my, or my fly undone. Like, it's it's just a good thing to recognize that why would you want to walk around that way all the time and just refuse to admit, you know, it's a better for you to, to correct it and to grow and mature and just and you can do that by listening to people that aren't like you. Yeah, that's why that's why we that's why we did that that whole series. Yeah. And it's, it has been a blast. It's been um, it's been different to have a fifth person as a guest. I mean, not even a guest as a host. Yeah, like a co-host. Yes, and to talk very little compared comparatively. Yeah, and it and it pushes pushes I think us out of our comfort zone. But that's exactly the point. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Exactly. Um, because you know, growth happens outside your comfort zone. Exactly. Put that on a T-shirt. All right. Well, everyone, uh, rate and review this show. Don't just gloss over that. Yeah, please give us five stars. Please, please do. It does mean yeah. a lot because, uh, you know, the more, the, the higher the rating and the, if we have a written review from someone who liked it and listened to it and a, yeah. a five-star review, yeah, it just makes it so that other people, the next time they're searching through to listen to something, uh, we're going to pop up and they'll be like, oh, hey, I'll check that out. Exactly. And they're going to check out our sponsors. They're going to check out Rambo Jesus. They're going to check out, who else have we had? We've had... Um, Oh, SatanDetector.com. Have we had the Satan Detector? The Satan Detector. Oh, that yeah. is so good. I've got mine because they sent me you a free yours? one. Oh, it's in my house right now. Yeah. I obviously really- am still waiting on mine with the way I'm living. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Uh, <laughs> mine, mine lost in the mail. Uh, yeah. And that's, yeah. We've got some great more sponsors coming up. So oh, yeah, you just make wait. sure you support them. Use those 
use those promo codes, get your discounts, get your apostates pack, starter pack, whatever it is. The apostate starter pack. (laughs) Someone even put that in the, um, in one of the reviews. They were like, that's right. (laughs) Yeah. The the scary thing is people that have like said, you know, I heard that ad and I thought, this just doesn't sound right. Yeah. Like (laughs) satire is dead. You, you You nailed it on the head. Satire is dead. All right. Well, I'll catch you next time. All right. Love you, man. Take care. Bye. Love you too. Bye.